Mech Football Pod. Alex is here. That's my name. Justin's here. Caleb's not, but Justin's here. Or, as I like to call him, Big Fella. Justin, <laughs> uh, I have. No one in my life has ever called me that. Big Fella. I have, Yeah. <laughs> so good, man. <laughs> I got a question for you. Is it about the dog in the fight, or is it about the fight in the dog? It's about fighting the dog, but apparently not, according to our friends at the Mac offices, or at least whoever runs their Twitter account. (laughs) See, and like, I don't think, first of all, I don't think that that's actually like the the correct quote. From what I'm seeing on brainyquote.com, reliable, uh, you know, you know, I guess, uh, Internet source. Mark Twain once said, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And I thought, you know, like when I first heard that commercial that like, oh, yeah, they definitely screwed that up because I remember hearing size in the fight. And then I'm like, well, maybe I heard it wrong when I was playing like football as a 11 year old. But uh, no, but you know what? If you haven't heard it, if you haven't heard it, we have to play it right now. We're here to talk about the underdog story. The underdog been overlooked for too long, big fella. AKA Justin. It ain't about the fight in the dog, it's about the dog in the fight. (laughs) Underdog, underdog, yeah, that's me. What the hell, bro? Not mad at you, haha, Davis. Not mad at you. You're just getting your money. Which, like, by the way, like, I went through, like, his Twitter after saying that, and some of his stuff is kind of silly. And, like, silly in a good way. Silly funny. Um, Yeah. Yeah, they get it right at the end, which I think is even funnier. Yeah. Like, I don't know if they should have just kept doing it wrong. Yeah, and, like, I think... So, like, when I, like, I kept listening back to it, like, I thought, like, the first part where, where, like, it was said wrong... Like, I, I, I don't know who wrote it, right? I don't know who wrote the script. I want to assume, like, somebody within the Mac just, like, handed him the script and was like, we're going to pay you to do this. And he said, yeah. And then as he was reading it, he was like, are you sure? All right. Well, because I, all right, whatever. And then just said what he had to say in the first part, which was the script had it right, you know, wrong the first time, right the second time. Yeah, like, or he just misspoke the first time. They just missed it when they were editing it, or like they just ran out of time, and they're like, "Yeah, we recorded this yesterday." Just you know, whatever. But it seems like it seems like it would have been easy to like edit the the correct one at the second part and just like toss it in the first part of the video. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so I think everybody missed it. Actually, the it funniest outcome the here in the dog is about the dog in the fight. Yeah, they could have tossed that. They, I, I think what would be funnier is if he uh, he messed it up on purpose and was like, we'll see if they catch it. And then they didn't, and it made it to the internet where everything is forever. 
it ain't about the fight and the dog it's about the dog in the fight <laughs> so good man but like <sighs> he sold it he did sell it i'll give he it did, to him man yeah. like like good like good for you uh, like, yeah, so you got your money bro you're right man it, it is about the dog in the fight you're also right because it's about the dog in the fight it's about the fight in the dog It's about the fight in the dog, though. It is. It always is. It is. it is. Well, I think it's about whether you got the dog in you, which I think is a different discussion. Why is the dog in the fight in the first place? Yeah. You know, I thought we settled that this is not okay. Yeah, no. Well, not, right. That. But, like, I'm talking about, like, the, you know, let's, hey, while we're getting philosophical about, like, you know, what's bigger, like your physical dominance or like the heart, you know, the heart of your champion, you know, you know, one of those things, like what's more important there. But like, ask yourself, dog, like, why are you here? Why are you here, dog? Like, rem- like, know your why is what I'm trying to say. You have to know your why. And like, that's that's ultimately important when the dog finds himself within a fight at the end of the day. Um, you you got to know your why. This sounds like an internal struggle that uh, the various Ball State players are probably having sometime midway through the second quarter in yeah. Knoxville. Oh, Jesus Christ, man. Did they ever. Well, forget the players. What about the one guy who got kicked out in the stands? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Thanks to Pro Football it, Focus, they who, which analyzes everything on the field with, like, you know, precision as much as they want to. And then... Yeah. Uh, videos of guys being kicked out of fans. Of, of yeah. Um, so if you haven't seen the video, it's a it's a very I'm assuming drunk Ball State fan um, being kicked out for an unknown reason. We can leave it up to the imagination. But as he's being sort of like perp walked up like all these stairs, he had pretty good seats apparently. Um, everyone was kind of just like yelling explosives at him and stuff as he as he walked out. Meanwhile, Ball State was you know getting the ever loving shit kicked out of them. Underdog, um, underdog, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and so, really, I think this guy's a visionary because I think like once things are going south for your team, you don't want to leave, right? Because you paid all that money for the tickets. You don't want your friends and family to think you're the type of person that leaves the game early, right? You want to still have hope. Oh, but yeah. if you get kicked out, it's not your fault, right? Like that was someone else made that decision, not you. So. Yeah, you didn't, it's, it's, like, it's a you, wise move. It's a veteran move. You didn't pay for that ticket to like not hope your team wins, right? Hope is what brings us here in the first place. Yep. That that's your why in the in the fight, dog. All right. Um, we have one, two, three, four, uh, twelve games to. We're not going to break them all down because we also have to turn around and recognize that there's uh, eleven games this upcoming week too, and like we're not going to do twelve recaps, eleven previews, and. A short amount of time and also try to poke fun uh with a video deservedly so like if you don't want us to make fun of it don't post um but we do have a few notes a few observations a few things that like we didn't get to see and we're like holy crap what do we have to study about heading into the rest of the season you know because i think that's a lot of the fun in you know, the surprises in week one is a lot of the surprises that you don't see It's because like that's still kind of hidden behind a curtain. But, you know, there's something there like, holy crap, I didn't know, like Ohio beating FAU. I didn't know that that was like a curtain I had to look behind and like see what the heck's going on over there. You know, that's that's an example we'll have to hit on later. But, Justin, week one, you know, how did you kind of celebrate and 
you know, take in the opening weekend of uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday action? Well, I was pretty, uh, starting in Thursday, I think like everybody else, I was pretty enamored with the backyard brawl. And I just want to say, probably my favorite thing from the entirety of week one across college football. I know this is a Mac podcast, so I'll talk about Central Michigan in a second. But the... It's still Mac country, Marshall. Yeah, very true. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen more like aesthetically pleasing camera work in a football game than that that pit pick six to basically ice to finish the game off against West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, it just like the camera pan out and like exposing the student section going absolutely bananas. And it's like the first like official night of college football. Like no one considers, you know, Northwestern and Nebraska, the official kickoff of the season. Right, it's just yeah. a thing. It's, it's like the furthest thing from an American university. It's just a thing that we do. Right. You know, it's like the junior varsity game before Labor Day. Like no one cares. Um, but yeah, that was my favorite thing that I saw. I think probably all weekend. Um, but I was pretty encouraged, uh, not as a person who would enjoy Central Michigan losing, but like that was, as a fan, that was a perfect loss for Central Michigan because they up to got the hype at least, which is like, which is really hard to say. Like, yeah, give it that, like, give it the expectations of a game that happened how long ago? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, t- twenty sixteen is yeah is way farther away than I'd like to admit because we're aging rapidly, but. Um, yeah, it was six years ago, and I don't like none of the players on the team were there for that game. So I, I don't think there was any like, I don't think there was like enough bad blood hanging out there for it to, to mean anything. But uh, Central scored 22 fourth quarter points and kind of made Oklahoma State sweat a little bit. And listen, if you're an Oklahoma State fan listening, listen to something else, first of all. But second of all, yeah. don't leave the stadium. No. When you. Central Michigan started scoring all their points the second that stadium emptied out. They were in their comfort zone. You can't let a Mac school play in front of an empty stadium. You're just asking for blood. Mm-hmm. And Central Michigan made that game very interesting at the end. And maybe some Oklahoma State fans are having some flashbacks. But that's rule number one. Like if the sneak more booze in. Like I don't know. Hear, I, I shouldn't have to be the one to tell you this. Sneak more booze in if you're gonna leave early. Like, no, don't leave early. Exactly. Bring if you can hear booze. the quarterbacks. If you can hear the echo of the quarterback's clapping cadence <laughs> when they're getting ready to snap the ball, that's the action like money zone, man. Then like, you can't allow that to happen. Like if the players can't like leave and crack a cold one yet, neither should you. Just out of you know respect. Out of respect for them, yeah. Um, Daniel Richardson was, I think, in the later parts of the second half, very good. He ended up 36-49, 424 yards. And four touchdowns, that's probably the best quarterback performance in the MAC all week. Um, mm. it, it's, it. it's, it's close. It's very close. It's like, close. Especially yeah, like, it's, considering where it was at. Yeah. Yeah. And like considering what you where, to live up to. Um, but I mean, the name of the game is the opposing, you know, as good of a day Daniel Richardson had, Spencer Sanders had six touchdowns um, and was not playing <laughs> at the end of the game. Um, so he did not need long to do it. Um, I'm not going to get into whether it's like, oh, what are those empty points at the end, blah, 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 blah. Central battle back, made it a two-score game, encouraging to see the offense get off the ground. I think they answered a lot of questions about whether they would be able to throw the ball. It seems like they can. Um, Lou Nichols was okay. Um, he's still classic Lou Nichols. He's got a lot of carries. He's very durable. Um, I think they were keying in on him. Uh, and I think that's going to be a really potent offense. So it was, uh, I think, kind of a tale of two halves in the biggest way. 
if I was a central fan, I'd be pretty encouraged coming yeah, out of the like, game. I'm very encouraged with like the receiving room I already liked, but I like it even more now that I yeah. actually got to see it in person at Oklahoma State and do what it did. Like Jalen mm-hmm. McGoy, six, one twenty six and two. Uh Carlos Carrier, new guy. Welcome to the show. Uh five receptions, seventy five yards and a score. You know, that's that's good stuff. That's yeah. exactly what you want to see. One, two, three, four, five, five players with multiple catches that averaged over 10 yards per catch in the game for Central. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. who, do they, who do they play next week? Uh, do they play next week? Yeah, they play South Alabama at home, so they're playing Carter Bradley again. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Everyone would love to do that. Uh, Justin, I'm going to let you kind of guide us and, like, kind of let me know like what game or what team you want to focus on next or whatever's on your mind. Like this is just like, there's no real, whatever, whatever you're feeling here, man, just like pick, pick an item and let's, let's go for it. This is yeah. Awesome. So there's, there's two games I want to talk about first, just so we don't forget to mention it. We kind of joked about ball state and the man, the fan getting thrown out of the game. That was probably the most entertaining ball state related highlight for that game. Uh, they threw a pick on their first play from scrimmage. It was just a nightmare from the jump uh, for BSU. Um, and Toledo took care of business against LIU. Um, sweet logo, by the way, LIU, that like shark logo. Really love it. Uh, Toledo won 37-0. Um, Daquan Finn was good. They were like exactly what you'd expect. Um, the two games I kind of want to touch on, and admittedly, uh, I'm going to go back and watch more of these. But I'm curious to hear what you think about the defending champs and whether it's, um, you know, is this just usual NIU non-conference, you know, bullshit with Eastern Illinois? Or is it something that's like, hey, this team may be, because um, I think in the offseason, Thomas Hammock said, basically, we have the same offenses last year and our defense is a touchdown better. And if he was correct in saying that, you might as well put this team down for 10 games, right? 10 wins. But, you know, a one-touchdown victory over Eastern Illinois probably doesn't inspire a lot of confidence that's that, that that's true. They probably could still win eight or nine games. But, I, I mean, do we think the Huskies are going to be sweating out games like this all year again? It's going to be more of the same. I'm not convinced that they won't, right? Uh, let, let's play a game. Uh, Justin, Eastern Illinois – it's a little bit of trivia, actually. Eastern Illinois has won one game – Every year since what? Since when? So when's the last time Eastern Illinois didn't have just a one-win season? Wait, so you're talking about how many consecutive one-win seasons? Yep, they're, they're coming that, off. That they've had? So I assume you're saying last year they only won one game. Yep. Um, and I'm assuming since you're asking, it's more than two. So I'm going to say three. Three consecutive one-win seasons. I don't think they played in 2020, so we're gonna be we're gonna say Let's that you're right there count, because uh, count the 2019, last, yeah, yeah, because in 2018 was the last time they won more than one game in a season, and they went three wins. It's like three and eight, whatever. Wow. Yeah. So, so it's uh, not like so, a, yeah. So this is like, this isn't like yeah, and this isn't like a team going through cycles either. This is a team that's just like trying to do something. So, right. And, and here's something interesting. Um, I like to use or recently I've been using uh, collegefootballdata.com. 
Uh, it has a post-game win expectancy percentage uh, applied to the game. It'll differ from S&P Plus, by the way, if you ever compare those. Sure. Uh, sometimes rap or wildly, because the, the way they break down the stats are a little bit different. But uh, according to collegefootballdata.com, uh, the post-game win percentage is 56% for Eastern Illinois. Mm. So that if you played that game 100 times, Eastern Illinois would have been the winner 56 times. That's not a good thing. And if you're a person who watches S&P Plus, Northern Illinois is going to fall a little bit. Um, it, their, their outlook is only going to get worse. I know that feeds NIU fans. And, like, <laughs> I wish they'd stop doing it. There needs to be, like, an NIU adjustment in the advanced stats yeah, to be, like. Even, like, Caleb's even on the hook for that now. Like They're just feeding so the into it. He's just, like, he doesn't even know what he's mad at. We can talk, <sighs> we can talk smack about him because he's not here. True, yeah. It'll only bait him to get back on here and yell at us. Big fella. Um, but there's there's not a lot of good in here for NIU. They ran the ball well, which they want to do. So um, it just seems like, I guess the most generous way you could look at the game is that they were kind of in control of it for about two quarters, two and a half quarters maybe, and then maybe lost control of it at the end, which is something I didn't really expect. From- scored in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, fourteen to six or fourteen I, to six rather. Just didn't expect that from them, um, but it's it's really hard with them to know whether it's a thing or not uh, this early in the season. Yeah, but I I kind of expected them to take care of business a little bit more. I expected them to struggle. I didn't expect NIU to like be great. And like, if you remember, uh, I don't know if you listened to this podcast, Justin, but when Caleb was here last, we kind of just like went through every game and just made like a silly little prediction here and there. And I said, NIU would win by five points. Wow. So that's, it's as good as I'm going to get, man. And you hear you said you don't gamble. (laughs) Oh, is this where you want me to tell you what I was trying to hide back earlier? Yeah, go ahead. All right, dude. So here's, here's the futures bet that I put out. So like, to everybody listening, uh, I don't gamble too much. I started last year, and this year I was like, you know, I'm not going to gamble. My money is just not like where it was last year, so it's an easy thing for me to just not do. But I was hanging out with a friend yesterday, and we were watching the game, and I said something stupid, and he was like, you're stupid. And I said, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to open up my FanDuel account. And there was still money in it from last year because I hadn't opened it in eight months. And so I put $15 down. On Stetson Bennett winning the Heisman, <laughs> plus four thousand. That's good odds. Yeah, I mean, if if they if they played Oregon eleven more times, you would absolutely probably cash in on that. Hey man, although Bryce Young threw for a billion touchdowns. Oh, against Utah State. <laughs> against Utah State, but yeah, so what? They covered great teams cover as we know. It won't matter because Oregon at the end of the year will be ranked. <laughs> um, I hope that bet casters in for you just because I think Stetson Bennett would be a very funny guy to win the Heisman. I don't know why. There's no, I don't really have a take to back that up. Just, it'd be it'd such be something a great like, like Mickey Mouse story, wouldn't it? Though Stetson Bennett question mark. I mean, yeah. did he not look good? It looks fine. Yeah, see? Exactly. Yeah. Is he not going to be behind a national championship winning team? Perhaps. At least the team is going to get there. Yeah, probably. They're going to have That's a shot. That's all he needs. Yeah. And Bryce, and Bryce Young already won it last year, so they're not going to give it to him again if Stetson Bennett looks 
oh my god really good you know what maybe now's the time as we as a media need to rise up and respect the hell out of stetson bennett and then he'll just show up late to your interviews by an hour and a half because he's got to get his truck detailed <laughs> that, that that story is really funny awesome guy um, man he's and I don't yeah. say that facetiously. Like I'm very jealous of him because I could never live that life. That's so do you, weird, man. Do you know how likable you have to be as a person to like you literally waste someone's time like that, like that much time? Yeah, like and then like, show up and get interviewed, and then everyone loves you when you leave. Like that's that's a freaking superpower. Um, there was another uh, Mac FCS game the, that I want to talk about. The last game on Thursday. Um, and again, this is another one that I want to dive in and see more of is uh, Akron versus St. Francis. St. Francis, as I understand it, not an FCS powerhouse either. Um, so kind of surprised that Akron, even in year one of Joe Moorhead, needed overtime <laughs> to like to make this one work. And a win's a win. So uh, they didn't they didn't take a loss. Not that, you know. <clears throat> Year one is a year that you could take a you could take a loss to an FCS school if you wanted to. PJ Fleck did it um, in Kalamazoo to Nickel State, uh, and Nickel State went on to win like two more games the rest of that year, or whatever. So it's not unheard of, uh, and also it doesn't spell doom for the program or anything. But uh, I, how much did you catch of that game? Uh, I worked Thursday night, so I didn't. But I was very surprised when I looked at that, and I was like, "What? What the H is going on?" Um, yeah, a little bit of the same, you know, like. My takeaway is very much a lot like yours. My other takeaway is that I'm very happy that, like, you know, while Akron did get the win, the players also got, like, a full experience out of it. Like, not only they got, like, the home win against that, but, like, they got to have, like, the reps of, like, a pressure situation against an FCS school, which they don't want. Then, like, they had to squeak it out in overtime. Like, that's a lot of experience just packed in one game to, like, jumpstart the Joe Moorhead experience. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we we I pulled this metric for NIU as well. Uh, so just for um, consistent see here, the post game win percentage for St. Francis was eighty five percent. So Akron really kind of stole a game here. What was um, it really eighty five percent? Yeah, I will. No I will, way. I will preface man. this with saying that like I don't always love the post game win probabilities for. Um, this particular site. I like all the other stats that they have, but when they put them together into a post-game win expectancy, S&P Plus is a lot better. It's just not as accessible um, without calculating yourself. But um, you look at like quarter by quarter success rates and like Akron didn't really play all that great until the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. St. Francis is pretty consistent all the way throughout. You say that and they still got outscored seven to six in the fourth. Right. And um, they appear to have stole one but you mentioned like it was great seeing them like celebrate and get all that i think that stuff's really valuable because my first thought watching that was man are they really like celebrating like that after beating that team but it's like yeah what do you expect them to do like it was like come on justin like you expect them to just like walk off the field and be like no we're, we're in for bigger things yeah, like no nah, man this is year one of a new coaching regime at akron and you guys haven't been good in a very long time um they've had like, too many bad days yeah, let, like let have a good celebrate it when you get it. And you still have to learn how to win, right? Like yeah. you're not going to be good enough to play in a lot of games like that. So like getting that experience, like they still have to go do it, man. Like they can't they can't make their players better right now. They have right. what they have. And what are you supposed and to so, do? Like, like go to Akron and not be proud of like the wins that you have? No, man. Like it's just, it right. won't work that way. It will not well, work that way. And from like Joe Moorhead's perspective too, like that's, you know, good for, I know he's been a head coach before, but um, like still good to, 
winning's better than losing, man. Like, even if you don't. And the same goes for the NIU game. Like, I know we know that they know how to win close games, and it's not new for them. Um, but, you know, probably good that they can still do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I have for Thursday. Again, backyard brawl kind of sucked the air out of the, the college football world. There wasn't, there's a couple of Mexicals on upset watch, but, um, you know, Central put in a good night. Ball State didn't. Uh, and then a couple of people flirted with disaster against FCS schools. But um, this is the non conference for the MAC. It literally doesn't count. Let's focus uh, a little bit of attention to the games that we actually did watch in full. Because uh, the rest, like, we didn't really watch. I think after, like, you know, we watched the Eastern and Western games, uh, respectively, you know, separately, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You covered the at, you covered wanna... the Eastern game. Yeah. So talk about, talk about what happened there, because they were in kind of a dogfight. But you did write at FC11, <laughs> right, that this Sorry. was, yep. guys, this is, this is going to be tight. Because this is a really good FCS team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if I were a betting person, which I wasn't, and I should have been, uh, I definitely would have taken uh, Eastern Kentucky, like, plus 10.5 when I saw it. Because yeah, that, yeah, man, like, you, you, you go up against an FCS school that is good, that has players at every level, like, O-line, D-line, quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end. That tight end's a monster. Uh, defensively, like, linebackers are good. Outside linebackers are good. Defensive backs are good two different cornerbacks made two different plays differently. Like they had a lot of pieces. So I was not surprised that Eastern Kentucky was going to make EMU sweat it out. Like this was not going to be a game where Austin Smith was going to get like, and I, of course we can say this with the benefit of hindsight, but I did not expect to see like the backup quarterback, like lead for a couple of drives and kind of see what he's got going and get our juices flowing there. I didn't think it was going to be that kind of competition. Throw in the fact that, it's a well-coached program anyways. They're, they're very proud. Like that, The coach, who wasn't there, unfortunately, because uh, ugh, very scary episode he went through. Um, but he not only is in there for his third year, but this is his third time being hired to coach Eastern Kentucky. He was a two-time assistant coach there. And then now this is the third time he was brought on as a head coach. This is his third year there. There's a lot of pride already in there, right? Like, you don't become the head coach, you know, when it's your third stop there and, like, not want to be there and try to, like, look upward. No, that guy wants to be there. He's building a good culture. The quarterback they came in when came in with was very good and, you know, had a lot for the defense to worry about. Like, they had a, de- like a game plan that they couldn't, like, slouch around with. Mm-hmm. And so all that put together... You know, if you're on the outside and you don't really like understand how good of a program this FCS school is, an unranked FCS program is, then you know you're, you're just not in the know. It's whatever. But like, if you actually watch the game, you see like a really good football team go up against another really good football team. Um, yes, I called both Eastern schools really good, but whatever. <laughs> Eastern Michigan, like you know, they should be happy with what they saw. Like it wasn't great. It wasn't a perfect game, but like. <laughs> 42 points and like uh, against it you know an eastern kentucky team that sure it's not up to the quality of this as the rest of the mac but like some that, of it like not all of that it. got you ready yeah this is a uh, eastern kentucky for what's <clears throat> worth is in the uh mid like they're in the top 25 uh by s&p plus for FC, fcs <clears throat> schools Good. um they're you know they're not at the top end you're not playing a dakota state right 
which would couldn't win the Mac, right? <laughs> but um, it's still a team that, like like you said, like this is a team that's going to get you ready for Mac play. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a lot of teams like EKU. And it's good that EMU can beat them. And, you know, from the box score, it looks like the game was, you know, Eastern kind of took control and was sort of taking counter punches yeah. from EKU, right? And then, you know, they get that, EMU gets that late touchdown that, you know, they ended up needing. Um, and I think, like, that that's big-time stuff right there. Yeah, especially with, like, new players, new quarterback, all that, like, yeah, like you said. It's good to see. Yep. Speaking of new quarterback, did you see uh, Ben Bryant's first play back in a Cincinnati uniform? That sucked. It was. I don't know if that was. Fir- I don't know if that was the first play. Was it? It was. It was his first pass, I believe, like, was yeah. almost a pick six. I I, mean, I don't know if that was his first pass. It probably was, but I did see it. It sucks. Yeah, that sucks. Poor guy. Yeah, I mean, all they, game like it was. It was just rough, man. Just rough and like. When he like went to like I don't want to dog on him I'm going to but like when he like went to like rush for the for the one touchdown and then like realized before he started running that like it just won't work out yeah right and he's like I wish I were the other guy right now too <laughs> poor guy they had they had a good second half though Cincinnati did um, I'm gonna ch- I have to check for just for live fact checking on whether it was the first. Play. It was not the first play. It was uh, first drive. So not not the first play. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I thought like I looked. Yeah. It was the eleventh play. He, yeah. Because he was like already the, five for six at that point. Yeah, but it was the the first drive, not the first play. Anyways. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I, I bet Cincinnati wishes they had uh, Taylor Powell. You know. Who wouldn't? And maybe they will. I mean, careful what you wish for. Uh, last thing I'm going to say about Eastern Michigan because I haven't said it on this podcast. Uh, Chase Klein, badass, badass. So good. He's so good, man. So good. Western, they lost Western by a lot, but like that was expected, and it was uh, reasonably close. That was expected. Yeah. Uh, so there's a, I see a lot of that going around that like it. Um, the general consensus I think seems to be like, oh yeah, you know MSU had some kinks to work out, and you know the game wasn't you know, all that close and, you know, the advanced box score back that up as a 98% win percentage for Michigan state, like Western never really threatened to like, you know, make it anything more than it was, which was a little bit sweaty. And like, here's the, this quick story. I think if you're Western that you can tell yourself like as a fan, as a player coach, whatever about that game, which is you had the ball at about midfield with 10 minutes left to go in the game down one score on the road. Right. Like you were down 21 to 13. I guess it's two scores, I guess. Eight points. You're down eight points with the ball at your own 47 with fourth and nine. Right. Or it was third and five before that, I should say. Sorry. Third and five at the 47. Uh, They ended up with a negative 40 yard play there uh, and then ended up electing to punt. At that point in time in the third quarter, Michigan State's three drives were um, a fumble, punt, and uh, a turnover on downs or something like that. Um, so they had confidence that their defense could get them the ball back. They really didn't. And at that point they were two scores down chasing the rest of the time. Right. But the one thing you can tell yourself and there's, and I have more to get into, but like for all the talk of like, ah, yeah, the game wasn't that close. Western Michigan had the ball at midfield down eight points in the fourth quarter. 
um, and then had it at midfield again down two scores even later in the fourth quarter. They were there. They were moving the ball. And what I'll say about this is in the third quarter, Western Michigan was the best team on the field. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't close. Like they outscored MSU 10 to nothing. They came out with better halftime adjustments and they like the offensive line was pushing them around as a Western fan. I came away from the game feeling really good. Like as good as you can feel about a 22 point loss, they controlled the game for the middle eight and beyond. And then just in the fourth quarter, MSU, uh, they didn't MSU didn't do a lot of like scheme stuff to beat them. It was a lot of like, we have better players. I'm going to toss the ball up to them and they're going to make plays. And they did. And we didn't. Right. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say we Western didn't. No. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't back. Yeah. There. No, I wasn't back there. If I was back there, it would have been a 42 point loss nope. um, at any age, at any point in my history. Um, but that was sort of how it happened. The, the greater story of the game is like Western had in the first half, both teams had, five possessions both teams had three trips into the other half of the field right Mm -hmm. michigan state scored three touchdowns western michigan scored three points i mean that's the game they had two trips inside the 10 in the first half they settled for a field goal instead of going for it on the first one uh jack salapak fumbled on the second trip the game could have been 21-6 or 21-14 right they, they moved the ball like they were there and you can't get down 21 to three at halftime right. for Michigan state. But imagine a world where it's 21, six Western Michigan has that ball. Like I mentioned at midfield down five, what type of game are you looking at? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different. Uh, they had a touchdown wiped off the board, a uh, beautiful play to Corey Crooms. And I think the first half or early third quarter it ended up being a field goal instead because the refs threw a flag for a legal man downfield. It was the right call, but like they never call that. Um, at least not in that situation, but they did a lot of missed opportunities. They had a really a good chance to, to put a little bit more sweat into MSU uh, defense played really good. Like, another, another team that like had some missed opportunities to like put some sweat into a school that they visited in big 10 country, mind you uh, was Bowling green at UCLA. Which like new Big Ten country, dude. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it always has been though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like Bowling Green, dude. I knew. Even when Bowling Green was up like seventeen to ten, I knew <laughs> that this would never end well. No. Yeah. For for the Falcons, I knew it, man. I just knew it. Like the first time, like UCLA touched the ball, DTR ran like just exploded for like a 68 yard scramble or something like that. And I was like, okay, that's, that's the whole game. And like, it's, if you were like on the outside watching in, just kind of gambling and like looking along, you're like, oh man, this game is just not, uh, not tilting anyway, huh? Just not tilting, huh? But let me tell you, man, Bowling Green, they had their opportunities. Like they got a turnover in the UCLA, like in UCLA territory, like in the red zone area. And they ended it with a field goal. Yep. And then Bowling Green's first touchdown of the game, which was awesome to see, but it was done by like a blocked punt. Yep. Great play, but like how many of they those still count, but you? yeah, it's not something you'd rely on. But you got to know that those points didn't come from the offense. Right. And that's the type of play you need to like spring an upset like that for sure, which I think is why it sort of felt like upset watch early because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, if they're stealing that touchdown, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like but understand that like that offensively, way. yeah, they scored like one touchdown offensively, I believe. 
I have to, I'm not even going to like look at the, cause I was so like kind of nonchalantly paying attention to the game because it was like on the quad setup on the second screen and I'm like, eh, you know, I don't really care. I got other stuff going on. But even if that was like the offensive touchdown, like just know that they found three points just like, you know, on the ground and then the mm-hmm. other seven points came from special teams. So really they got blown out by a lot more than what the, the scoreboard says. So don't really buy into them. Please yeah. Don't. They will and lose to Eastern Kentucky next week. They could. Um, and look, I mean, the same, it's the similar story to Western. Like, Bowling Green had five trips into the inside the UCLA 40, and they scored 10 points. You were still getting blown out, but if you were kicking field goals on the other three possessions, or uh, yeah, on the other three possessions that you didn't score, and you were gifted one of them, right? If you scored three points on those other ones, like, you're feeling a little bit better today. Right, uh, than you did before, but you're not, and that's the same story with Western and MSU. Except in their case, they had two for two first and goal trips came away with three points. So, if you want to beat teams like Michigan State and UCLA or Kentucky, things of that nature, <laughs> like you have to score touchdowns when you've done the work to get yourself into that other half of the field. And Bowling Green didn't do that when it did and you know it wouldn't matter because ucla was inside the bowling green 48 times <laughs> but like yeah basically every possession you know they're threatening to score um the, you know, the I, offensive touchdown was a 22 yard touchdown pass from matt mcdonald to christian sims just need yes. to get down the record that it happened and it got it them up 10 points and that was that was the last time they scored <laughs> It did happen. Um, I think this is a tough matchup for their defense. I was interested to see um, how Bowling Green's defense would hold up because we've been hearing a lot about it. They seem really confident in it. Uh, And, you know, it's a game that I got to go pull the curtain back and take a look at a little bit more before, like, declaring anything. That, like, between Charbonnet and DTR, uh, former and current Big Ten running back, Zach Charbonnet, I should say, yeah. Uh, between them, they had essentially 200 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Yep. So, um, and those are really talented guys. They're going to score on a lot of teams in any league. Uh, but, you know, I was kind of expecting to see a little bit more from a defense that's supposedly, you know, supposed to be really, really good. Yeah. Like, like Bowling Green's best chance is just like trying to be Iowa. And like, you're not going to, you're not, you're not, you're not going to do what Iowa did this past weekend and do that into your victories, uh, Bowling Green. That's just not going to happen. Which it would be sweet if they could, though. Like, I think the Mac would be really fun if they had like a junior version of Iowa, like in pure form. I think like 2018 NIU got the closest, <laughs> but they were still scoring like 20 points. Yeah, but they yeah, were they could give offense. up like 10 points a game. Like that was the that was our best shot. Yeah, because that's when um, NIU and Eastern were both at like 17 and 18 points per game allowed. It was it's a great time for defenses. It was really good. Yeah. Like underrated. That doesn't happen anymore. No, it doesn't. I think that that 2018 NIU team was the high water mark, I think. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. Um, as far as defense goes, not a lot of it played on Saturday. Uh, the we, t- we talked about Bowling Green. 
Ohio FAU. I'm I'm really sorry. So, yeah, I really this wish is the only like of I'm, all the games that we haven't talked about, this is the only game I care to talk I'm about because I'm so of us sorry that we didn't watch more of it. I'm so sorry I didn't watch more of this. It like so, I'm going to I'm it, going to watch the you, condensed you, game. I promise. Have you read the box score yet? A little bit. Okay. Have you? I'm only going to tell you one line. Curtis Rourke, 27 of 34, 345, four tutties, no picks. He's amazing. It's a family affair down there. One rushing touchdown. It's that's got to feel good for Ohio. Yeah, because they were kind of teetering on the brink, and people were kind of like, because I think for for listeners of this podcast, it's probably you know beating a dead horse talking about what Ohio was like before Frank Solich, but I think it bears repeating that like I think that kind of looms in the back, and we'll have to ask Caleb, I guess, more specifically next time he's on. I kind of feel like that looms in the back of everybody's mind of like what it was before. And now you're in these after times and you kind of don't know what's going to happen. And like, I know FAU isn't, uh, you know, the same as what it was when Lane Kiffin was there, but no, it's but you know what, like you a know what good... FAU has now that Lane Kiffin did it back then is a blue chip quarterback. The yes. Kosey Perry, man. Yeah. He had five touchdowns throwing that day. Like it's not like the yes. Perry went out and like shit the bed. Right. Like, yeah, he no. had like uh, twenty eighteen incompletions. Whatever. And they were favored in the game, right? Like this yeah. was not there was not a lot of respect given given to Ohio here. Yeah. And hey, man, they they did it. They did the thing. A bunch of points in the fourth quarter, man. It's an absolute barn burner in the second half. Out, out um, in the fourth quarter, but won the second half. Yeah, they won the second half, um, and that's all that matters. And I'm I really want to go back and watch this game because yeah. I, I need to see I need to see every second of it. Um it just wasn't on my radar as a game that was going to get good and it got really, really good. And the, you know the right team came out on top from our perspective. Just a yeah great game by Ohio. Just really, really yeah. good. And again, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. Like this is a game that I watched none of and I need to watch all of it. Yeah. It's uh, it's hard watching watching all these games. Um, it's not easy being a football fan. No, it ain't. The um, there's not. Mm, I don't have anything else for Saturday other now, than like now, Miami now, played now, Kentucky now, tough on, in the first on, half. Before we move on, though, like because we don't have too much after this, but like, right? Take the excitement that you have right now about Ohio. Close your eyes. <laughs> I know you're talking about who they played next week. <laughs> Noon. Yeah. ABC. Yeah. yeah. The whole nation. Something that we've never seen before. I say that with a tone. Listen, there's a there's an opportunity there for them. Like that that's how you have that's how you have to see it. Because it's like, yeah, you could We have seen it, Justin. We you have could get, seen it. We have. Um you could get bounced, but you could also shock the world and send a Oh no, they're not gonna fire James Franklin. It's like, too expensive. Could Curtis Rourke be the best Ohio quarterback since uh, Tyler Tedderson? This is, this is Nathan Rourke erasure. <laughs> I'm just asking. I, get, I, I mean, listen. He could. Uh, we, There's... Uh, I don't really want to look at too many of next week's games, but there is one I want to say. I just, we need to like focus like two seconds on it at least. And it's the one Mac game that's coming up Western Ball State. I'm going to pay attention to that. I'm definitely paying attention to that. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be locked in, obviously. Uh, but you're you're the expert here. You've seen at least two of these teams play. Yeah, I mean, throwing out the e word like that makes me a little bit nervous. But um, big fella, I think if WMU plays like they did Friday, they'll be fine. Um, and it's kind of tough on the Ball State front for two reasons for me. First is that like. Not me, not you, not not anyone listening. Maybe not even Ball State fans fully understand who's on the team. <laughs> it's like they've had a lot of roster turnover, right? Um, and I think you were looking to see something against Tennessee, and I don't know how much you know yet from a game like that. Like I don't know how valuable it is for like them, us, anybody, and trying to understand what that how good that team is. So. Um, I have a lot of optimism about Western, but I'm trying to temper it a little bit because I think Ball State could still be fine. And, you know, Western's still starting a redshirt freshman quarterback. Like, while he had a very good debut, um, probably the best, like, Power 5 debut of any WMU quarterback I've seen. Um, All that said, he's still young. Like, they could still make mistakes. Western still has problems scoring when they cross the 50. Um, they stall out too much. Um, but the one wrinkle, and this is what I think is going to tilt it in Western's favor, is Alex. For the first time in my life, I can say, Western's got a kicker. What? He's a true freshman. You hid this from me for how long? He's a true freshman. He can minutes. kick. He can kick. He no. drilled like a 45-yard field goal against MSU. Like I was, I thought it was going to shank at any direction i've seen western kickers miss extra points in overtime i've seen it all and he drained it i'm all in i'm palmer underdog yeah that's me and i think having a kicker in the past you know few seasons where wb fell short at the end like that was kind of the difference is getting zero points when you could have got three uh from 45 yards out i think they have that now and that that's gonna tilt it i think i think the game will be close um which will disappoint me because I think WMU showed really well Friday. Um, but I, I think Ball State will bounce back. I don't think they're – I think Mike News has been around long enough, and despite the roster turnover, like they might be inexperienced, but they're not going to be so bad. I think uh, I think Western Michigan is going to be fine against the run. Which is a weird thing to say, and not having seen Western Michigan play defense this year, especially against Michigan State. But I got to look at the other side and know that like Carson Steele has not been as spectacular as um maybe you might remember. Like the Western game last year, I'm looking at this like really quickly. His game log: he had ten carries for 41 yards against your Broncos last year. Yeah. This and like against Tennessee. I mean, I know it's Tennessee, but like, oof, you know, I don't feel great about like the uh, the rushing attack that Ball State has right now. And with a new quarterback, even though he's got great great weapons to throw to, great weapons, great weapons to throw to, um, you need that run game. Maybe. And so what I'll say is that. WMU's defense is very aggressive and their game, the name of their game is we're going to get in the backfield and cause disruption. You're going to fumble. You're going to get sacked. We're going to create negative plays, put you in, you know, long yardage situations and we're going to come get you. And 
I don't love it, but it is their identity. It's what they do. They did it against MSU, and that's a big reason why all the highlights from that game are MSU receivers running open down the sideline because they play a lot of single coverage. So what I will say is if you're a Ball State fan, a little worried about what you can do through the air, if you can protect, if you can pick up the blitz, your receivers are going to play in single coverage. And you got good enough receivers that you're going to get beat. Like Ball State's going to score a long touchdown or two in this game. Like just put it down. Like they're not going to lose 35 to three or something like that. Like this game could get into the third high twenties and thirties for both teams. Because I just think while I think there's talent on the back end for WMU, it's very tough to play single coverage all day. If your blitzes don't get home. Um, And they, you know, they didn't get home against MSU, but when Ball State came to town last year, it was the exact same story. Ball State destroyed Western and Kalamazoo because they picked up the blitzes and picked them apart through the air. Uh, and I think they can do it again. And boom goes the dynamite. 